Let's get started. We know that in general, Chazal tell us, Morris says that Torah is Misameh, the lay Torah makes a person happy, and there actually is a prohibition to study Torah on Tishabah. However, there are certain selections from the Torah, both in terms of the Gemara and Halacha, from the Nevi'im, that we are permitted and encouraged to study on Tisha B'Av, which means that clearly that if those are specifically the areas that we're supposed to study, that means that it has to be a very strong message involved in why we are focusing on those particular, uh, on those particular areas. And the story of Kamsa and Bar Kamsa is a well-known story. And many of us, we just had it in Dafyomi, we went through it quickly in Dafyomi. But we study it, we read it through, very often on Tisha B'av, but we don't necessarily give the full, let me see what this is, why is it stopped? We don't give it the full uh, focus that I believe it needs to be given as to why Chazal wanted us to study this particular portion on Tisha B'Av. So what I'd like to do, I'd like to read through the story and translate, and then let's go back and reflect upon it and then read it again and see if we can find the hidden messages as to why this is the particular area that Chazal wanted us to focus on in, on Tisha B'Av. So, if you have the sheets in front of you, I just took this from Safaria, and uh, we'll see, I don't necessarily agree with all the translations, but we will just go yeah, both in the Hebrew and then there's a paragraph at the, in, uh, uh, in English. Let's start. Akamta ubar kamta charav Yerushalayim. That's the opening statement. That Jerusalem was destroyed because of kamta and bar kamta. It's very interesting. Rashi, you don't have it on your sheet, but Rashi says there were two people named kamta. One was kamta and bar kamta. Rashi, I think, is avoiding the marsha. Actually, learns the sugya that it's a father and son. There was Kamsa, and Bar Kamsa was decided. Rashi doesn't want to learn it that way. Rashi says, I think that's what he's telling us. There were, there were two people, that was their names. I think that's what Rashi's saying. They weren't father and son necessarily. But these are the two people that were wholly responsible for the destruction of Yerushalayim. So we're going to go through the story. Dahu Gavra, there was a certain individual, Derachme Kamsa, who happened to be a friend of Kamsa, Ubal de Bave Bar Kamsa, and he was the enemy of Bar Kamsa. Avet Saudita, he made a feast. Celebration, doesn't say what it was, but it seemed to be a big citywide feast. Right? So he told his uh, his shamas, his servant, 
Zil Aisili Kamsa. On the invite list, I want you to put Kamsa. Go and put an envelope in the, mail, in the mailbox of Kamsa. However, Azel Aisilei Bar Kamsa. He invited, instead of Kamsa, he invited Bar Kamsa. I guess good help was hard to find back then as well. So he invites Bar Kamsa instead of Kamsa. So Asa, so the host, show, uh, comes downstairs, everyone's sitting and eating. And Ashkachei to have a Yosef, and he sees Bar Kamsa, who we already were told before, is an enemy of the host. He sees Bar Kamsa sitting there. Amar Lay. So he says to, uh, either to him, to himself, some don't have the word Lay, Amar, he says, he proclaims, Mehdi, let's see. Hahu Gavra Baal Dahu Gavra. Art scroll and in the Safari they translate he's talking to himself. He said, that person is the enemy of that person. So my boy Hacha. So why is he sitting here? If he's my enemy, what is he doing here? Kum Puk. So he tells him, get up and get out. So Amar Lay, so Barkamsu is sitting there, he doesn't want to be publicly humiliated, he's embarrassed. He says, since, since, I don't know what the mix-up was, but I'm here anyway. So Shivkan, let me be, let me stay here. Whatever they're charging you, it's $50 a head, $100, whatever the cost for the party, I will pay so you don't have to feel like I am benefiting from you. The host said, under no circumstances, you cannot be here. So I will pay you half of your expenses. What's the bill? Half of the expenses I'm willing to pay. I don't want to be publicly humiliated. So I will pay, show me the bill, I will pay for the entire party. He said, no. He grabbed him by his arm, picked him up, and he threw him out of the party. Okay, let's go down a little bit here. <clears throat> so Amar, so this is now the embarrassed Bar Kamsa has been thrown out of this party, and he said, who do we blame? says, Hey, the rabbis were sitting at this party. And they didn't protest. They saw this going on. And they didn't stop this. So therefore, I can hear from this, I derive from this, that they accept this type of behavior, that they condone this type of behavior. And therefore, I'm going, that's an expression, means I'm going to slander them. I'm going to go and inform against them, slander against them, Bay Malka by the Caesar. I am going to hurt them. Where does it hurt most? What is the most precious thing to the Chachamim? The Beis Hamikdash and Yerushalayim. So I am going to hurt the Chachamim because they allowed me to be publicly humiliated. So therefore, and what is his Amalela Kesar? Maudubach Yehudoi. The Jews are rebelling against you. Now we're going to take a pause right now because for the first 
we'll see how much part of the shear we're gonna we're gonna cover. But right now we're just gonna focus on this. So we have pretty much a full uh, story as we know it, as we were taught in school, the story of Kamsa and Bar Kamsa that Yerushalayim was destroyed because of Kamsa Bar Kamsa. Why? And it gives us this particular story that the wrong person got invited and the host was not willing to accept the uh, the host was not willing to accept having there, even though he's willing to pay not only for his own. Uh, portion, not only for half of the celebration, but for the entire celebration, and still threw him out. Okay, this is the story. Now, let's step back for a moment. We prefaced that the reason we need to study this is not just a nice story to hear, it's because somehow this story gives us the message of why Yerushalayim was destroyed. Now, let's take it to the next step. Why is that important? important message? Because the Gemara tells us in Yuma that any generation that the Beis Amikdash is not rebuilt, then they are also responsible for the destruction of the Beis Amikdash. Which means that we need to know why the Beis Amikdash was destroyed, because if we know why the Beis Amikdash was destroyed, then we understand what it is in our generation that we need to be focusing on and we need to be correcting. And it means if the Beis HaMikdash hasn't been, dis- uh, been rebuilt in our generation, then what? Then whatever that problem is still exists and we still have that problem. Okay. Now, it happens to be that Chazal told us already. Chazal have told us already what the sin of the bias Shani. Remember, the first base of Migdash, we know, was destroyed for three cardinal sins. It was murder, there was idolatry, there was adultery. The three cardinal sins, the first base of Migdash was destroyed, and that exile only lasted for how long? 70 years. Purim was during that exile, right? Obviously, Jews did deserve to get the base of Migdash back, and they did. Second base of Migdash, which the story of Kamsa Bar Kamsa is... I'm sorry re- to interrupt, but you're muted. There's no sound. The whole time? Oh, no. Okay. Now it is. All right. Now it is. Okay. So, sorry. No problem. Sorry. Okay. Thank you. All right. So the, the, the second day of Mikdash was destroyed, right? And that exile still extends... Till today, which is so, you have to assume that whatever the sin for the second base Amikdash was, that is even greater than the three cardinal sins. But Chazal tell us, the Gemara Yuma tells us, what is the sin for the second base Amikdash? Was sin as chinam. Sin as chinam is baseless hatred. Baseless hatred, that's the word that's used, sin as chinam, baseless hatred. Okay? So, the problem with understanding. A chazal is that you really have to understand what they're saying. We throw the word senas chinam around all the time. Baseless hatred. The base amigdash will be rebuilt when we have baseless love, and then you have to, but, but it's because it was destroyed because of senas chinam, because of baseless hatred. The question really is what exactly is senas chinam? What does it mean there's baseless hatred? The truth is that you're not going to find someone, unless he's pathological, that he hates someone without having a reason to hate them. Right? And very often it's a very firm reason to hate somebody, right? We all, if, if anybody hates someone, it's not baseless. 
There's a reason always for it. So we have to really understand what sinas chinam is. But, no problem. Chazal are telling us that there's a story happening here during the times of the second Beis HaMikdash that this is the reason why the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed. So if we analyze this story well, then we should be able to get some understanding of what sinas chinam is. So that's so great. So Kamsa Bar Kamsa, because of Kamsa and Bar Kamsa, Yerushalayim was destroyed. And, if, and, and we're supposed to study this on Tisha B'Av. And when you finish studying the story, then you can walk away and say, ah, now I understand what Sinas Chinam is. Now I understand what baseless hatred is. Now let's go back to our story. Right? We have here, now obviously there has to be some really, really bad feelings going on here, right? We see there's a story happening that, 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 that the host doesn't want him to stay in the, in the party and even throws him up, publicly humiliates him. He's not willing to even accept that he pays for it. Terrible feelings for one another, horrible things going on. But we don't know why that was. We don't know why the host has such terrible feelings towards Bar Kamsa, we don't understand that exactly. It could be, maybe Bar Kamsa took away his business. Maybe Bar Kamsa hurt his family. I mean, who knows what Bar Kamsa did? So how is the story helping us get a better insight into what Sinas Chinam is? If the whole purpose of learning this is that we can understand what we have to correct in our generation, how do you see that from the story? So the first question I want to ask is, first of all, Let's define what sinas chinam is. What does it mean that it's baseless hatred? When, for, whenever is baseless, uh, when do we ever find that hatred is baseless? Everyone has a reason. It's not a good reason, okay then, but what is, what, what is defined as actually baseless hatred, as sinas chinam? That's we, the first question. Second of all, if we're supposed to study the story of Kamsa and Bar Kamsa, we see that there's clearly hatred going on here, or really very bad feelings for one another, but it doesn't tell us why. And if we don't know why they felt that way, then how are we supposed to learn from this that there is, that this is what sinas chinam is, and this is what we're supposed to be working on? All right. So I want to go through again quickly a couple of the uh, points of the story and see if we can ask a few more questions before we start dealing with what the answer possibly is. So, and, and just one more point of, over here. Obviously, if Chazal are telling us that this was a story that happened in Kamsa and Bar Kamsa, it's not a one-off. This one's like a one, this happened one time in the whole uh, 400 years of Baishani, and that's why Yerushalayim was destroyed. Clearly, the story is being given to reflect an overall behavior. This is the way that people behave, which makes it even more difficult because if we don't understand what's motivating this behavior, then how are we supposed to say, okay, that's what everybody did. How do you see what everybody did? I don't understand what happened over here. Give me an insight as to why they felt this way about each other. Okay, so let's go through here quickly again. So we have over here the initial statement, which is that Kamsa, because of Kamsa Bar Kamsa, Yerushalayim was destroyed. We'll get back to that, all right? Now, person makes a celebratory meal, right? He's celebrating, it's a, it's a huge meal. The rabbis are there, a lot of the city are there, 
and he tells his servant to invite Kamsa. Now, if the host feels this strongly about Bar Kamsa, clearly to the point where he's not even letting him pay for the meal, the first question I had is, how does the servant make such a mistake? We're not talking about a little mistake. We're talking about over here, instead of getting his best friend, you went and invited his arch enemy. That's a huge mistake. How does the host make such, how does the the servant make such a mistake? First question. Then the language also, this I actually, this, the, 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 the yesod of this, I've added some questions, but the yesod of the shir I heard from my Rosh Hashiva, Rabbi Yochanan, as uh, why Shlit should live and be well. I heard this about 30 years ago, and, I, and he has, every year he gives a different shot in Kamtavar Kamtavar. This is the one that stuck with me. I, I, this is the one that I, I felt speaks to me the most. And this is the one I always say over. But the, 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 this question, that, 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 uh, the following question bothered him with the language, and I want to share it with you. Now, if you look at the translation, you'll see how they fix up the wording. But listen to the words over here. All right? First of all, he comes downstairs, or he comes down, and he looks around, and he sees Barkamsa sitting there. Now, Barkamsa is his arch enemy. He didn't invite Barkamsa. What do you expect if he has such strong hatred towards this Barkamsa? What should he be responding? How should he react? Right? How would you think he should react? Immediately, there should be a visceral reaction. Look at the way the wording of the Gemara is. He says, either to himself, let's see. He's like going through an inter- a calculation. Let's see. That person is, the, is, that, is, 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 is supposed to be my enemy. So if he's supposed to be my enemy, then what is he doing here? You have to leave. Chazal don't give us any words extra if they're not necessary for us to study. So why is it making it almost like an intellectual cheshben, a calculation over here, when you expect it, if the hatred is so strong, you just walk over and throw the guy out. You don't, you don't have any cheshbonos. That, that, why is he talking to, going through the mental uh, calculations among himself? And then the, the second part of it, is also difficult. He's saying, Hahu gavra bal gavra. Literally, it means that person is the enemy of that person. But the way the, the, way the art scroll translates it, and I hear the safari understand, that person means that that person is the enemy of that person. That person is my enemy. Well, if it means that person is my enemy, why is he wording it? He's talking to myself in third person. That person is the enemy of that person. It's a very strange way to be wording it. I think that also needs to be addressed. Let's go on. So, you can understand Barkamsa doesn't want to be humiliated, and to the extent that he doesn't want to be humiliated, he's willing to pay for what he ate, and not only for what he ate, then for half of the meal, and not only for half the meal, for the entire meal, for everybody, right? And still, the host turns him down. Now, that's very difficult to understand, right? I mean, that, the, the, the hatred that somebody must bear, that even if somebody, he's trying, to, he, he's trying to meet you at a point in some way, and you still do not back down. 
You know, I'll, I'll tell you a very interesting story. I think the statute of limitations are out over the story. I can share it, you know, uh, but this goes back, must be close to 30 years ago. I was, I was, I was in Kolel, and I had a friend of mine, and this fellow, um, I had, I, this fellow was used to learn with a balabos, so three, four, twi- two, three times a week, used to learn with a certain balabos. It's a very, very, very wealthy fellow, very nice family in, in, in Miami. And this fellow had an interesting thing, the, the balabos that he learned with. If he would ever go to a restaurant and he saw the Kolo guy and his wife sitting there, he would go over to the waitress and he would pay their bill. Nice thing, you know, you know the guy in Kolel is not, uh, it does not have that much funds available to himself. So that was something that he would do. Okay. This, Kolo, this, this Bala bus was making a bar mitzvah, it was a simcha, it was making a simcha, and he was best friends, he himself was very close, with the fellow that owned a, uh, a, a hotel, a catering in, in, in one of the hotels in Miami. And they worked out an arrangement that the bar mitzvah was going to be there. However, unfortunately, after the bar mitzvah was over, they got into a big argument. You know, how many people actually showed up? How many people didn't show up? And you're talking about something that probably was a thousand, fifteen hundred dollars difference, and both of them were fabulously wealthy people. But it got to a point where they stopped talking. They got into a fight over this, and they mamish stopped talking. Okay. It's close to Purim, and uh, my friend is in Kolel, says to his wife, I'm taking you out, we're going to go to Sarah's. Sarah's Alea Shalom doesn't exist anymore, but Sarah's Pizza used to be the pizza place in Miami Beach that everybody used to go to. So he's sitting there, and he's, he's with his wife, and he sees that his Chavrusa, the, the Balabas, walks in. He says, himself, oh, that probably means you know, this one's uh, on the house, you know? Meal goes through, waitress comes over, hands him the bill. All right, the guy doesn't have to pay, all right, fine. pays the bill. A couple of days later, right, they're sitting and they're learning, and the Balabas asks him, because usually he thanks him, and asks him, how did you enjoy the meal? He said, it was fine. They figured out he did, the waitress comped the wrong family. It was a big place, and the waitress ended up comping a, a different table, and he said, I was trying to figure out how you and your wife's eating pizza came to a hundred bucks, but you know what? It, that's okay. It's, uh, it'll be a kapara, right? Comes Purim, and this bala bus gets a knock at the door, and there's a, uh, a service coming, bringing a huge shloch monas, and he opens it up, and it's from the caterer. And there's an envelope for $1,500. Thank you for comping our meal. That's why there has to be a statute of limitations in the story. But anyway, thank you for comping our meal. Now, there's a lot of messages that we could learn from that particular story, right? But one thing I, I take myself, you see, sometimes you dig your heels in the ground and you get so upset and you refuse to back. All it takes is that Somebody's nice. One person t- backs down, whether he's right, whether he's wrong. You know, it's um, uh, Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson says over, I think he might have said it from one of the Friedrich Rebbe, says, you see, kids get into a fight, you know, and then 10 minutes later, they're best friends. Adults get into a fight and they don't talk for the rest of their lives. He says, because kids would rather be happy than be, than be right. 
An adult would rather be right than be happy. You know, that's the, the idea. But, but you see, though, all it takes sometimes is one person to back down, or you perceive, or you see that they're doing something nice for you, somehow that... Uh, so I, I, it always bothered me when I read this piece of the Gemara over here, is that you have a situation where this bar comes, whatever he's been pressured or whatever it is, he's willing to pay for the entire Sauda, the entire Sauda of the host. And still he doesn't accept, he's still, no, no, no there's nothing to talk about. It, it's, what is Taka the Pshat? So, I still think that the, the biggest question really, and this is really the question I think the Pnei Yeshua asked, and number of the Achronim asked this question, the biggest question that really has to be asked, and I think that's the key to maybe solving all these questions, is that who does the Gemara blame for the destruction of Yerushalayim? Akamsa and Bar Kamsa, Yerushalayim was destroyed. The host, we don't even know his name. He's the host, he doesn't even know the name. The truth of the matter is, why are we blaming Kamsa? Kamsa's sitting at home watching the ball game. Kamsa didn't even show up at the party. This fight is going on between Bar Kamsa and the host. How does the Gemara blame the destruction of Yerushalayim because of Kamsa and Bar Kamsa? I think that's the most difficult piece over here. We're saying for perpetuity. Kamsa and Bar Kamsa destroyed Yerushalayim. Nebuch Kamsa, what are you schlepping Kamsa in over here for? And the host, who really seems to have, right, you could argue that, 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 that Bar Kamsa's reaction afterwards was over, a little overboard, but it was triggered by the way the host behaved. And we don't even know the host's name. We don't even get his name. I mean, that's a very, very difficult question. The Marshal has another question. He says, what's shot in the Chachamim? How do they not get involved? Why don't the rabbis get involved? So he actually says that you see that there was a meet of Hanifus, that the rabbis flattered wealthy people in those days. That's, he's, that's what he wants. He takes it. It is a... Uh, right? But it's interesting because it doesn't blame the rabbis. I guess the rabbis are the ones writing the more, but it doesn't blame... They say, our concept destroyed Yerushalayim. If they have a, play, a role to play here, then they should also be held. Not just that... Bar Kamsa should think they're doing something wrong. The Gemara should castigate them. Marshal says that is the way the Gemara castigate them by showing that they didn't do anything, that they were being flattered. But it doesn't seem that way. It doesn't seem that we're holding them responsible. It doesn't say because of them. So let's ask the questions again and we'll get back to it. Number one. What is Sinas Chinam? Sinas Chinam Yerushalayim was destroyed. We need to understand what Sinas Chinam is. Number two. The story is epitomizing the behavior of the time, which we said is sinas chinam. How do we see sinas chinam? We see they don't like each other. We don't know why they don't like each other. It could be they don't like each other because uh, he took away his business, because he hurt his family. We don't know why, right? Number three, if they really, the, the host does, has this hatred, this visceral hatred, this anger toward, why is he coming down making calculations? Let, let's see, let's see. This person doesn't like this person. What's he doing? Yeah, just seems to be not the way there should be a reaction, and Chazal should write it the way, they're writing it this way to teach us something. Why are they writing it that way? 
Fourth question, why doesn't the host back down? You're paying, someone's wanting to pay that amount of money. What's causing him not to be able to back down? Why is he not backing down? Right? Why are we holding Kamsa responsible? If Kamsa never did anything, who was the guy who was the mistake? How could the servant invite the wrong person if he's the arch enemy? That was another question we asked. The Marshal's question, why are the rabbis sitting back and not doing anything? Right? Why do they, they're helpless, why, why don't they do anything? He says maybe it's flattery. So let me share with you at least one definition of possibly what sinas chinam is and then try to plug, plug it into the, into the story. Anybody here has had this chus of making a, a, a wedding can attest to the fact the most difficult part of the wedding probably even more difficult than dealing with mechutonim, is the table seating. Why is table seating so difficult? Because you have to figure out who is allowed to sit with who and who's not allowed to sit with who. You know, many enemies have been created by who you're seated at which tables. And we have, you have to really be careful with well, that one's that one's friend and that one's that one's friend. That one can't sit next to that one. It makes it almost impossible. It's very, very difficult when you are doing any type of celebration to figure out the seating. In Eretz Yisrael, they figured out how to do it. There is no seating, open seating. Someone told me that that's starting to be that way today in this day, I'm not sure. What's that? Yeah, it's cold. That's no seating, okay, you sit wherever you want, fine. But why is it such a problem? Let me tell you why it's a problem. I think this cuts to the heart as to what sinas chinam is. Let's say A and B get into a fight, a huge fight. Now, it could be a valid reason. One of them has valid reasons. Could be that both have valid reasons. Could be neither one has a valid reason. But it's a huge, huge fight. What happens today, unfortunately, in most communities, is that A is a good friend of C. And A will tell C, listen, I'm having a big fight with B. If you have anything to do with B, then what? Cut me out. I'm done. That's it. Forget it. No help from me. Never come to me for a favor. Don't talk to me again. Because this bee, I want him in Kherim. I don't want, any, I don't want anybody with this bee. So therefore, you, my best friend, I expect you to follow. Now that's where the sinas chinam piece is there. Why? Because now B and C are in a fight with one another for no reason. They're in a fight with one another for no reason. The only reason is because A is mockbed on C, but B and C really never did anything to one another. That, if that goes on, that is what is known as sinas chinam. That is what sinas chinam is. Now, what's that? Well, Lashon Hara is, uh, the, the, the Chafetz Chaim says that Lashon Hara could be a manifestation of of sinas chinam in certain ways as well. Now, let's plug this into the story now. Actually, the host isn't one of the primary litigants of the fight. Who was the fight between? The fight was between Kamsa and Bar Kamsa. The host happens to be, as the Gemara says, the best friend of Kamsa. He is C. 
He is the best friend of Kamsa. But Bar Kamsa never did anything, ever did anything to the host. But the host feels the pressure. The host feels the pressure. I can't have anything to do with with Bar Kamsa. What will Kamsa say? Now we can understand. First of all, we can understand how servant makes such a mistake. How does Sir make a mistake? Because it's not the arch enemy of the host. Right? He, he's never seen there be any fight between the host and Bar Kamsa. He can make a mistake. All right, the name's a little off. Made a mistake. It could have been, he thought it Bar Kamsa, but, but it's not like if it was really at fi- fighting with him, then we understand. But, if, but he wasn't really fighting with him. It only had to be pressured into fighting with him because of Kamsa, which is why Kamsa is held responsible. Kamsa is held responsible because that is what the cause of the sinas chinam is. It's because of Kamsa that the host can't be friendly with Bar Kamsa. Now let's go through our questions. He comes downstairs. He sees Bar Kamsa sitting there. It's not a visceral reaction. It's not a natural reaction. Walk over and pound the guy. Walk over, throw the guy out. No, that's not the natural reaction. It's a mental reaction. Why? Because he doesn't have any negative feelings to this fellow. But he sees, uh-oh, if he's there and, I, and, 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 and Kamsa's going to find out that I invited him, I'm not going to be able to be friends anymore. with Kamsa. And that's why it goes through the calculations. Chazal are telling you it's going through those steps because that is... And now the wording fits beautifully. What did it say? He says, That person is the enemy of that person. The art scroll, they have to squeeze it. And then the, that person is talking about himself. No, he's not talking about himself. When he says that person is the enemy of that person, he's saying this Bar Kamsa is the enemy of Kamsa. Those are the people that he's talking about. That person is the enemy of that person. That's why I can't have him here because I'm very good friends with Kamsa and I know he doesn't want me to have anything to do with Bar Kamsa. But it's, it's, it's not visceral. It's not a natural reaction. It's a one that goes a calculated reaction. It fits up nicely in the words of Haigavra Baldabavra Haigavra. Now, let's keep going. So, also, by the way, it gives us a little bit of an inkling of why Bar Kamsa even bothered showing up. Somebody's your arch enemy. Maybe you think twice about showing up, right? But he, because he, does, he doesn't really have anything negative to do with the host. But our question was, Bar Kamsa is offering him to pay for the entire meal. How does he not say yes? I'll tell you, uh, uh, something happened a number of years ago, right? This community, like every community, has certain in that go on 50 years, 60 years, things that, you know, that uh, have been there for quite a while. And the problem in situations like that are that the people that were the original progenitors, the, 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 the original Bale uh, Dvarim in the Machlokas, they're really the only ones who can be mochel one another. Right? And when they pass on, so then you just inherit the machloikas, but you don't have the ability to be mochel because it's not, it's not with you. And I remember I went to somebody a number of years ago, somebody I'm very, very close with, and I was trying to convince him. He was, he was, he was, he was not well, and I said, convince him. I said, you're the last guy standing over here. You know, if you don't, show some, some level of, of, of backing down, who's going to do it? 
Who's going to do it? Nobody can be mochel on your covet. You, can, you only want to be mochel on your And he was, by the way, he had a very good reason not to be mochel. Very good reason. Things were done to him and said to him that, you know, most of us, you know. The bottom line is, but if you, right. I, I remember when I was, I was in, uh, living in Miami Beach, there was a rov of a shul there. Rav Mordechai Shapiro, Zichrono Tzadik Levrocha. His son, Ephraim Shapiro, is the one that, it's one of the, 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 the famous speakers today, but he was the Rav of Beth Israel. Beth Israel was like the Sharet Tzedek of the community. It was like that was the main shul at the time, and very Chashev Rabbonim were there, meaning uh, the Rabbi Beryl Wine was the Rav of that shul before, and uh, the, the, the Rashiva from uh, Merkaz Torah, what's his name? Uh, the original, one of the original founders from Meish Torah. Anyway, he was, he was there before. He was very Chashev Shul, and... Mordechai Shapiro was a rov in Scranton, and he left his position there to take over this position. He was a Talmud Muvuk of Rav Arm Kutlam. He learned in Lakewood many years. I used to go speaking because he learned in Eitz Chaim. My, my elder Zeta was a, a Magad Shir that I used to go talk to him and tell me stories about, uh, about, about Yerushalayim and Eitz Chaim, where my, my grandfather learned as well. So I was close with him. So he told me that when he came, the Shabbos, the first Shabbos he came, he knew there was a group, there was a group there, a yeshiva, already existing yeshiva, that had uh, tremendous animosity to Rav Aaron Cutler. They felt Rav Aaron Cutler had done something wrong to them when they were sending money to Shanghai, whatever the story was, they felt, and they had, and he, they, he knew that being a Talmud of Rav Aaron Cutler, that they would have animosity towards him as well. So what he did, he sent an invite that the Bachram of the yeshiva should come for dessert to his house. The first Shabbos, they went to sit in Fabran with him, talking, learning, and whatever. And they took this as an opportunity. They sent back like, their top guys, you know, to roll up and say, we're going to really teach him a lesson. We're going to, like, you know. So they sent a, a group of these guys from this yeshiva. They came to his house Friday night. Now, they walked into his house. He was, a, he was an Ohev Svarim. He loved Svarim. Wall to wall Svarim, wherever you went in, in his house. And they saw there was a whole section of Svarim that were from Russia Yeshiva and the Rebbe's of their Yeshiva. And not only that, they were, the Svarim were used with underlines and written in, and they started talking, and he knew all of the Torah from their Rebbe's. He was like a tremendous Talmud I mean, So they said, I, we don't understand. How could it be that a Talmud of Rabban Aaron Kutler is an expert in our Rebbe's Torah? And he said, he said to him, that's the problem. He says, I have a Masorah for my Rebbe. Rabbi Aaron Kutler, Masorah, I have for him. He says, you should yarshan your Rebbe's Torah, not his machlokas. He says, nowadays, everyone inherits their Rebbe's machlokas. There are fights, but nobody, no one knows their, their Rebbe's Torah. And I said, he says, that, that you have to yarshan their Torah, not their machlokas. Put away their machlokas. That doesn't include you. But the problem with this, when you yarshan machlokas, you can't be mochel. There's no mechila. You can't be mochel. It wasn't done to you. And that's really the problem over here with, with, with what happened with the host. The host could not be mochel bar kamtza. Why couldn't the host be mochel bar kamtza? Because bar kamtza never did anything to him. There's nothing to be mochel for. Our question is, except that be mochel. But it can't. There's nothing to be mochel. It's not about him. He didn't do anything wrong to the host. 
When that's what the problem with the sinas chinam is. There's not even another person to be mocha when you have that sinas chinam. So therefore, I think that really now we understand this is the message. Chazala telling us this was the problem that was prevalent in the second base on Migdash and Yerushalayim was destroyed. And any uh, any community that is does not help in rebuilding the base on Migdash, it's as if they destroyed it. That means that is still continuing on sinas chinam. So what are we defining sinas chinam? Sinas chinam is where somebody didn't do anything to you. He did something to your friend, but your friend is imposing on you that you now have to pick up the fight and you have to have that fight as well. So the fight now is not only between A, B, but now it's between A, B, and C, and it goes on, D, and E, and F, and, and a whole community becomes embroiled in a fight that didn't actually involve them. It involved the original two, but each one's being mocked, but the other one is. That is the definition that we're going to say is that he's being taught you in an accident. Now it's clearly being taught. It's clearly being taught. Chazal is saying it. It's giving us the messages. It's because it's Bar Kamsa and Bar Kamsa. It's teaching us the fight was between Kamsa and Bar Kamsa. Host could not be Mochel. The host, it's only an intellectual calculation. It's not a visceral calculation. But anyway, the point we are going to leave this with is we basically saying is that we have our work cut out to us. This is easy to, if we can identify what the problem is, so then we can start working on the problem. But basically is, yes, people get into fights all the time. What we have to be very careful is that we should not be a hakpada. We should not be requiring that, you know, that, that the sides be taken. You know, the, the, the chant of Bush, you're either with me or against me. You know, that doesn't work in communal machlokas. That doesn't work. Is let the two people fight it out. The rest of the people should not be dragged into a machlokas that doesn't belong to them. And if that's something, a small thing at least, that we can start trying to focus on, Mirza Shem, next to Shabbat, we'll be celebrating the Beis Migdash the way it should be celebrated. Right. Go ahead. The Marsha says it's a father and son. But 